Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to another exciting edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith, and across from me, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. How are you, Donnie? Man, I slept really good last night, came in energized this morning. And uh, ready to do a good show today. I'm kind of the same way. The fresh air, being outside, the cooler weather, just uh, it's sleeping weather is what yeah. we call it. All right, if you want to learn more about the show, it's not about sleep habits, it's about your house. Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got links to past shows right there. we got the Facebook page. You keep that updated, correct, I do. Donnie? Yes, sir. And we also have YouTube videos up of the show if you want to see the beautiful studio in the facilities here. Look at the background behind Donnie right now. That's not a green screen. That's the real deal it right is. there beautiful fall landscape. Also, if you have a question about your house, Donnie loves your questions. Again, go to the website to submit it. Click on the Ask the Contractor button. Inside, outside, around your house, the roof, the walls, the floor, the HVAC systems, ventilation. We've talked about that a lot of times. Anything about your house, you have a question, Donnie wants it. Again, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Now, coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about ways you power your tools around your house. There's three main ways, gas, electric, and cordless. We're going to talk about those and also our preferences, but you also have something you want to talk about. Yep. We got a lot of feedback from a lot of guys that I label in a group, the Subdivision Dad Gang. So they're great about interacting with me, sending me pictures. And um, what spawned this topic is that they sent me some really cool tools that I thought I should do my homework on and maybe share some of that info with our our listeners. But yeah, I I was going to mention... Did you hear about the gas line vandalism that happened in Aspen, Colorado? Yeah, that was like by environmentalists. Yeah, exactly. It's like 3,500 people uh, without heat, and it's borderline zero degrees up there. So that's not a good combination for those folks. And um, it's kind of weird that it happened from an environmentalist group. And, I uh, think they call that eco-terrorism or something. Yeah, yeah, they labeled themselves Earth First, and they wrote that on a pipe is how police shared that picture. But, um, you know, that's, that's scary stuff. And we talk about being more of an electric than a gas fan, but man, mm-hmm. they took it to another level. I understand environmental concerns and stuff, but when right. you put people's lives in jeopardy to get your point across, exactly. you're not making friends with that. No. There are much better ways to do that. All right, let's go ahead and hit on the subject we want to talk about today. Gas, electric, cordless, cordless being battery mm-hmm. powered. And there are pros and cons to these tools. But before we go into the actual tools, Donnie, mm-hmm. give an idea for people, some pros and cons, and let's start with gas. Yep. All right. So get, it'll be gas versus electric versus what we'll label as battery or uh, cordless. Cordless, right. So um, if I were going to start out with gas, I would say some of the gas pros are that they have more torque and more power. So they're notorious for being able to do bigger jobs. And a lot of times when you pick these up, they just feel a lot more sturdy. The casings around the motor are more like metal versus plastic like you'd mm-hmm. see on an electric. And I would say if there are any cons, it's that uh, that these things are usually heavy. So a lot of times they'll make you tired. If you got to use something all day and, and just keep that in your hand versus a, uh, a lighter alternative in the electric, you know, that's something that'll get you tired. Um, they require gas and oil. Sometimes if you have a two-stroke engine, you have to mix that and you yep. get into the, you know, go into the gas station to get the gas. Then you have to store the gas. And it's just several more things to think about with gas 
And uh, in the right situation, though, it is the superior alternative. I'd say uh, for business purposes, gas all the way. If you run a landscaping company, you got to have gas. If you have a larger yard or live on a farm, mm-hmm. gas is probably ideal for that as well. All right, let's move over to electric. This is kind of obvious, some of the pros and cons, but uh, what do you got on your list? Um, usually the electric, they're more inexpensive than you think, mm-hmm. uh, but with the electric, you know, they get basic jobs done. If you have to do something that a task at, say, 30 minutes to an hour, you know, electric is sometimes good for that. I would say that um, we'll get into the battery, uh, ev- the battery technology evolution, but things that I use corded things for, if I'm mixing something in a five-gallon bucket, you know, usually a corded drill is much better for that because it requires so much more torque. Um, and, you know, of course, they don't have a gas drill readily available. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they should. Yeah, they, they, we may, uh, America. Yeah, exactly. Um, another pro is that you don't have to have any, uh, any type of uh, fuel for an electric, say, a pressure washer. You just plug it in and go. And, and I think that's an attractive option because it's the cheapest to run, and you also have that power source readily available right there at your house. So there's no going to the gas station to get the fuel like I mentioned earlier. Funny side note, we mentioned electric pressure washer last year. I purchased yeah. one, and I said it became part of the family because we all use it. It's so easy. The you clean put up a place a, out on the kitchen table at Thanksgiving for it we, and everything. We do. We mm-hmm. do. We actually dress it up. So, oh, um, the uh, But the electric pressure washer tanked out on me, so when I opened it up, uh, this summer to clean some things up, you know, it just didn't run. So I start my troubleshooting process and I didn't want to take it somewhere because, you know, by the time you spend a hundred dollars on something that costs 200, you're in it too deep exactly. for it to make financial sense. But, um, uh, I went to YouTube and I looked up, uh, uh, service recommendations for electric pressure washers. And I ran across this guy named Merv's service and he is hilarious. I actually did exactly what he said. Uh, but he is such a funny guy and he has a nice twist on all Thing service. So highly recommend Merv's page. Um, we actually reached out to him and he agreed to do a show with us. So we are tailoring a lot of our questions that come in and are, are service related to uh, allow Merv to come on the air with us and answer those. So hopefully that'll be entertaining. Um, back on the electric cons, you're always going to need an electrical cord to make that work. Uh, so you have to have access to an outlet or you have to have a generator. Um, mm-hmm. It's You've got to be aware of your surroundings. So if you're working in a wet area, that usually doesn't jive very well. And I would say that uh, the biggest con is that they have uh, a little less torque than something that would be gas-powered. Um, the materials around the motor are usually cheaper plastic, like we mentioned before. Right. And I just think that uh, a lot of these electrical items will probably become obsolete the, the more battery technology develops. And not only that, they might become obsolete, too. <laughs> you know, it would be interesting to why you would have a generator that would be powered by gas right. to run an electric tool. Yeah. You just cut out the middleman at that point right. and go to a gas tool. But exactly. I guess – you have to work with what you brought to the track. Right. Well, if sense. there's multiple people and you've got a uh, on a framing crew, for instance, you've got a couple of skill saws, you've got a guy on a chop saw, and you're mm-hmm. running three different uh, three different tools. I can see plus the, the, the mini new, fridge, right? Plus the and, the, and the microwave, plate. yeah, mm-hmm. the microwave at lunch. But the uh, I could see where they would need access to that. But you're right. Uh, on our roofing sites, for instance, we don't take the chance of tapping into an electrical panel and maybe blowing a breaker while somebody's at work and we're doing the roof and uh, and everybody lose power. But with the uh, gas compressors, were basically self-contained. Mm. Now let's move to cordless, which I at first years ago didn't like. Right. But now, now it's, I- I'm kind of a supporter of yeah. these. Cordless have the advantage. This this is battery operated. You snap a battery <laughs> in a place and you run it, and they're usually rechargeable. Uh, they're very portable. There's no cords. There's no gas. You don't have to mix oil. The power's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the same torque that you get with gas, definitely. And there's a lot of electric stuff that has more torque. Mm-hmm. Someone right. like you as a general contractor, you're going to have demands that are different than I'm going to have right. working at my house. Uh, now, some of the cons of a cordless is, of course, the initial cost can be very high. 
it's kind of shocking. Sometimes you go in and say, well, I'll get an electric drill. It'll be cheap. Mm-hmm. The the electric drill that you plug in or the corded drill, yep. you can get for 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. You see the rechargeable or cordless it's and 100. it's 80 bucks yeah. or 100 bucks and you're like, whoa. But I think long term, I like it. You're going to run out of power sooner too. Mm-hmm. Depending on how much torque for a drill or the tool you're using, it's going to wear down and they wear down slow. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you kind of notice that and you got to think ahead. Do I need extra batteries or do I need to do something like that? Now, do you have any cordless that you use? Yeah, I have the full set. So we were working on a house that did not have power on it and I bought the full set for the 20 volts. So we have everything from the, the skill saw to the grinder and they all work really well. I mean, until you wear those batteries down and use them every day, all day, you know, they generally, for, for what I need, and I usually need something that's quick and easy, otherwise we're going to send a full crew in to do it. But uh, they've worked. They worked great for me. All right. Well, I'm going to speak about the E-Rock household because that's uh, what I have and what I like. But I, I consider myself, relatively speaking, the average Joe of what I need to do around the house and what tools I need. When it comes to a mower, I'm still a gas person. Mm-hmm. I've not tried the push mowers that are electric right. or rechargeable. But I've seen people that have used them, and there are two problems I've noticed. One, if you wait too long to mow your lawn, you're not going to be able to get through it, and they don't last as long. I have enough of a yard. I couldn't do one charge with an electric Mm -hmm. mower or a cordless mower. I've I've seen people use the old electric mowers, too, with an extension cord. Right. Which to me is like you've got a blade and an extension cord. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But everyone who has a cordless rechargeable mower also has a gas mower as a backup right. in case they can't cut through the grass. Exactly. Now it comes to a blower. I used to have the gas blowers. Mm-hmm. Mine died. And then I also have an old Craftsman electric corded mower, a nice. blower that I still have up in the uh, storage building. I'm not getting any money from Lowe's, but if you'd like to sponsor the show, I bought a cobalt blower from my neighbor, mm-hmm. and this is their rechargeable blower. I call it a sweeper because yeah. if it's fall and wet leaves like you have now after rain, you're not going to get a lot of progress versus a gas blower. Right. But I have a swimming pool, and I can't use the electric blower around it, the plug-in, because I don't want to have an extension cord running around the perimeter of the pool trying to clean stuff yep. off, and that was the main reason I got it. But I use that thing for everything. I will blow the driveway every day in the fall real yeah. quick because it's, boom, put it in, walk down the driveway, I am done. So I'm a real big proponent. Well, after trying that cobalt blower, I went ahead and got the string trimmer. Right. It works perfectly for me. I can bl- mow, blow, trim the yard, and use the blower and the trimmer and finish the job in one battery charge. A funny story, uh, when I got my electric blower, I figured out a grill hack for it. So if I need my grill temperature to shoot up about 100 degrees pretty quick, I just go to the bottom of the vent, open it up, about 15 seconds worth of that blower, and it will raise the temperature exponentially faster than what it would do on its own. So, Forged in fire right there. FYI, this is a common pro with uh, with the electric, but I just think it's a cool thing that these batteries, you have the power source right there at your house. Again, I said that earlier, but I think that that's a very attractive feature that you don't have to go get a combustible fuel from somewhere else and then worry about storing that. Now, I'm sure you have a cordless drill. Yes. I've got the DeWalt drill system, which I love that comes in a little yellow bag. Mm-hmm. And my son and I, uh, this past Christmas, were walking through. Hey, have you seen the big box of DeWalt? Oh, yeah. So it's a big box, and it has like a drill and a grinder and a light and uh, maybe a specialty saw mm-hmm. and some other stuff. It just calls out to you, but it's all battery-powered. I think those are 20 volts. I'm yes, not sure. that's right. Okay. I've got that, and then I've got, as I said, the cobalt stuff. Cobalt has 40-volt, which is my blower my trimmer. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that, according to Lowe's website, there's 33 tools that use that exact battery. So if you have one or two of those cobalt 
volt batteries in the chargers, you have almost three dozen tools that you can buy yeah. that that one battery will operate so you can just hop from one to the next or right. depending on the time of year. And that's something maybe a homeowner wants to look at as an advantage. What would you say some of the cons are for cordless or battery power? Well, they're going to, like I said, run out. If mm-hmm. you forget to put the battery up and have it charged when you go to use it, you've just delayed whatever project mm-hmm. you're going to do by at least half an hour if you just need a quick charge, but that could be a couple hours. And those batteries will slowly yeah. lose their charge. And you actually did some research on Cobalt, not with a K, mm-hmm. as the name brand from the low the Lowe's, stuff, but yeah. C, the actual uh, element. Yeah, uh, cobalt's one of the things that they're trying to get rid of, and they say that the element cobalt in a battery is the most expensive and least available part of that battery. They have figured out a way to replace the cobalt with nickel, and uh, the rumor is, you know, by 2024, the battery power will be 10 times what it is now. Uh, Energy storage will be times three from what it is now, and the lifespan of the battery in terms of wearing that battery down will be five times longer than it is for what we have now. So I don't want to make a recommendation based on uh, something hypothetical at this point, but by 2024, if you're putting off getting that four or five hundred dollar Dewalt set that has mm-hmm. everything in there, you know, I think these things are going to come down in price, kind of like big screen TVs. Yeah, I think that they're going to come down in price and have a lot more bang for the buck uh, in just a few years. So that everybody got excited about the big Dewalt box. Yeah, you know, in a few years you might <laughs> not need it. I always think that, and I think the thing you want to weigh out is. Uh, just how fast it's going to happen. And I would say that with all the homework and the uh, time we put into shows on net zero around here, I would say that the the money is going to go to the technology pretty quick after everything transpires with the election. And, and I see them uh, making some big time headway in the next year or so. There were a lot of tax credits and stuff tied with moving away from um, gas and things like that and also things for your home. Mm-hmm. Those are going to go away soon, too. And as you talk about this net zero Mm -hmm. environment, what are your opinions on that? I think, first of all, solar is going to get better and better every year, and then Mm -hmm. that's going to get cheaper. Same uh, situation like like we mentioned, same scenario as big screen TVs. Um, I do think that the battery technology improving on top of that will be something that goes hand in hand nicely. Um, I would say that the tax credits are probably going to go are going to be less and less until they go away eventually. So the gamble will be getting the most efficient uh, version of what you can get when there's still a tax credit in place. And I don't think they're going to take the tax incentive away altogether in the immediate future. But um, I, I do see the as the price goes down, they they have this ratio that they understand what the average family can afford, and that's where they're trying to keep keep that. Final number. And also in a past episode, we were talking about 3D printing. Yep. And that's only going to get better, more efficient, and faster, and then it's just going to take over a yeah, lot of things. Um, when we're talking about the advancements in battery and solar technology, um, uh, a few things that are going to change right along with that in our world, and I don't want to uh, get too far off task, but the uh, the 3D printing is something that they're expecting to be big. I don't mm-hmm. know how the loopholes are going to work when they – you know. Give in, have engineers write letters that will be acceptable by the inspectors, which is the end game. A um, couple other things that are neat, and it's already here. It's probably not developed as much as it will be, but um, it's immersive reality. And what it is is uh, they combine AR and VR, so augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, augmented mean, meaning you can see what's actually in front of you, and then the virtual reality is like a completely different world. They've combined those two. So if you are building a very complicated commercial building, and you need to put on the um, the the goggle the VR goggles. Mm-hmm. 
it will actually allow you to go through that building. You can look at it where it will actually stand on the lot, and it will allow you to walk through the building before the thing's even built. So yep. in terms of heading off problems, I think that that will be really advantageous. Um, the other thing the other thing that caught my eye was uh, something called digital twinning. And so it sounds like something that a teenager would know about on a uh, social media app. Yeah. But basically digital twin is uh, exact virtual copy of a building. So if you have a building – you can pull up at any time. It kind of reminds me of something out of an, an Avengers movie or like something Iron like Man. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Stark it, Industries. You can pull a, um, a a visual image of what the building looks like. It monitors, you know, when windows are open and closed, the occupants of the building, and it just allows people to see like how much efficiency you're getting out of your employees, who's social distancing, things like that. And to be honest, uh, that's a little scary. I'm not sure I would want to work somewhere like that, but I can see a quick pro of that though. What's that? It, it could detect something like fire or electrical shorts or something True. and notify engineering or be able to evacuate people or even show the evacuation route that you want to get out and a fire is blocked and propose a new one or something like that. But Absolutely. if it shows how you're goofing off, man, yeah, I'd be toast. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of people who spend a lot of time uh, not doing what they're supposed to do during the day. And I know you're joking. You're not one of those guys. I know. How well, right work, now man. I'm doing exactly that. <laughs> Now, one other thing I want to do is go back to VR because mm-hmm. you said it would allow someone to put on a VR mask, look at an empty lot, but see what a building would be like. I could see home improvement companies absolutely yep. dominating with this because you could go into an existing house yep. and they could say, I would like to change my kitchen and my living room and do the new bathroom. They could design it and say, put on these goggles, yep. stand in your own house, and you could see what your new finished oh, yeah. redesign would be, and you add a premium price to that. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and copyright that right now before yep. uh, the show's over <laughs> so I can make all the money. This is the Carolina Contractor Show, and this is the part of the show where you get to take over. If you have a question about your house, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. There's a little button there. It says, ask the contractor, and that would be Donnie. He's a general contractor. He reads all the questions that are sent to him, and then we like to take some and answer them on the show. And that's what we're going to do right now. Do you have your thinking cap on? Yes, sir. It's an invisible thinking cap, but nonetheless. <laughs> I keep it on. Question number one for Ask the Contractor. Choosing caulk at the hardware store is impossible. Can you clarify the differences in caulking and sealant? And please, because I have the same problem. Right. Uh, well, the main difference, I would say, is elasticity. So caulk is something that you have to use in a temperature-controlled environment. A lot of times you see... Caulk used on trim like baseboards or window casings, things like that. Uh, another popular place for caulk is around uh, the bathtub uh, or yep. any kind of wet area. And uh, one of the advantages to caulk is that it's paintable. Uh, it's easy to clean up, you know, no solvent required. Um, and the alternative is a sealant. I would say uh, a lot of people refer to that as silicone. Yes. So silicone is something that you would use in an area where temperature swing doesn't really matter much. Uh, the disadvantage to that would be is it's not paintable. So you have to get the right color on the first try. And it's awful messy. You know, it uh, requires a solvent for cleanup. It doesn't just uh, come off like caulk. You can't strip it, which is a good thing because mm-hmm. when you put it on something on the exterior of your house, you want that to stay. Uh, we use a product called NP1, and so that is uh, – it, it's about the best stuff on the market. And, you know, I've seen it go on, and then it rained a couple hours later, and it's been in place for 10 years. So it's good stuff. Right. I always say go for the good stuff. If it's two, two more dollars for a tube of caulk – uh, caulk right. always puts me in mind of something temporary. So uh, if you're doing a caulk fix, it usually is something that will have to be maintained or replaced down the road. So it pays to go ahead and pay the extra $2 and get the good one. Question number two from the com website. 
What is the difference between a solar collector and a solar panel? Collector gets the money. Yeah, exactly. The solar panel is uh, basically, uh, for lack of a long explanation, like a collection of batteries. And a solar panel can actually generate electricity, where a solar collector does just that. It basically collects heat and it transfers that heat. So you have to have a medium for um, energy to be generated. So it needs to be air or water. Like, uh, for instance, a solar collector, uh, it heats up on the roof and it transfers uh, the hot water down to a hot uh, uh, it transfers the hot water down to a solar hot water heater so a lot of times when you hear about how well these solar hot water heaters work it's just because it has a solar collector so um, just a d- different concept uh, end game is the same for both but uh, I would say a solar panel you know is probably where things are headed towards mm-hmm. question number three submitted to the Carolina contractor our microwave started arcing for no reason should we Call appliance repair. No, your machine is gaining self-awareness and will be taking over soon. Funny. I just want to say I'm sorry to Brandon Porterfield. Uh, we did a show with the appliance doctor, and he gave us all kind of tips about how to replace things uh, and just what he recommended. But on this particular one, you know, mom always tells you don't put tinfoil or silverware in the microwave, and that, uh, of course, will make it arc. But if you don't have anything like that in there and it's still arcing, Chances are you were pretty rough on your microwave and you've chipped some of the interior cavity. Yep. If you go to an appliance repair place, uh, they sell something called microwave paint. And so basically it's a special paint that uh, can withstand the temperature of the inside of a microwave. You're talking $15 can of paint versus $150 appliance repair person to come out and tell you mm-hmm. that you need the paint. So. Uh, I would recommend that, that microwave paint all day long, and that should solve the problem. Question number four. We have several bath fans that are not working properly. What is your recommendation on a replacement? Yeah. Well, uh, a lot of people confuse bath fans as something that is made for uh, smell, and it's not for smell. It's it's more about ventilation, and mm-hmm. the building code says that you either have to have one operable window or a bath fan in, in every bathroom of the house. Um I would say the first thing is to make sure that it's Energy Star certified. Even though Energy Star isn't what it used to be, that Energy Star tag does make a difference on the uh, the bath fan. Um, if the home is older and not well insulated, a uh, cheaper alternative than the insulation may be to get a fan with a heater in there. Uh, that's an option. Uh, in the last couple of years, they've come out with these fans that actually have Bluetooth capability. So to a teenager, of course, it may be an attractive uh, option to have a speaker that's always hardwired in there. So... It basically never runs out of a charge, and I guess with smartphone technology, a bathroom's never been so popular as they are today. You know? Yeah, so your daughter can uh, listen to K-pop while she's <laughs> taking a shower. No, I'm not putting a uh, Bluetooth uh, speaker system into yeah. my uh, bathroom. They Likewise. Um, and some folks, if you have an uh, upper-end house and you know you have fixtures that all need to match through the house and you want something with a bronze or a nickel finish, mm-hmm. they do make those that look like a regular globe, but at the very top where the, uh, the mounting bracket would actually touch the ceiling, there's a slight gap, and they make the uh, bath fans that kind of blend in with everything else. Um, uh, I think the other thing that you would need to take into consideration is is how quiet it is. Uh, the right. ones that are more expensive tend to be more quiet. And if that's something that's attractive, I'm, I've been told by a couple of folks that we built a house for, they wanted the noise. So they wanted something to drown out what was going on in the bathroom. And uh, it's just a preference. <laughs> I won't Probably go there. not singing. Trumpeting is what we we're talking about. <laughs> All right, we've got time for one more question. Let's Again, if you have one, submit it to thecarolinacontractor.com. Uh, we are replacing our windows soon. What's your take, Donnie, on triple-pane windows, and are they worth the extra cost? So what is the basics of a triple-pane window? Um, so double-pane is, is basically the code minimum and right now, and I would say that the answer is yes on the triple-pane before uh, the latest energy code came out because now they require uh, windows to have the 
argon gas between the panes. They require a low E coating, which helps out with the reflectivity of heat on the outside of the window. Um, the triple pane uh, basically does exactly what I just said, but adds an extra pane mm-hmm. between that. Um, I would say when you look at it from a cost standpoint and whether the payback is there, uh, it's a definite no. Uh, one is an R4 or 5, the, the standard window. So the cheapest vinyl window you can get still has to be code compliant to today's energy code. Basically, across the spectrum, all windows that, that go in houses now, unless they are triple pane, fall in that R4 range. Mm-hmm. A triple pane gets up anywhere around R9 or R10, and that sounds like it's double, but the price of the windows is double as well. So if you have, on average, 20 windows in a house, and that's an extra eight to $10,000 easy on the windows. And you know, being that folks are trying to, to cut down on their budget in a house, a triple pane window, unless it's your forever house and you live... Somewhere far north of where we are now, mm-hmm. I just can't see it being worthwhile. Um, and these are statistics, but I think that they say that um, each window loses on average around thirty dollars per year. So twenty windows—that's six hundred dollars per year. You couple that in with the eight to ten thousand and just the material overage, and uh, I, I just don't see it being worth it. You know, that's a twenty or thirty-year payback, and um, from a comfort standpoint, it doesn't contribute to the comfort enough to make it worthwhile. And I think that's one of the things about this show that has an advantage for listeners, and that is you would assume right off the bat when the question was asked, is triple pane window choice a better choice than a traditional one? No, it's not. You're going to pay a lot more money, so stick with those double pane windows. And if they're installed correctly and sealed correctly, as you've pointed out many times before, the biggest energy loss of an entire house is going to be the windows. Right. Even when everything is equally sealed and done yeah. correctly, it goes out the windows. You're not going to right. get that that ROI. If you could get an R20 window, I would say maybe that's worth it if it were the right price because, you know, normally our wall cavities range anywhere from R20 to R30. So uh, that window hole or that window opening wouldn't be as vulnerable. But, yeah, I, I just don't think – I don't see the payback being there. And I want to say the triple pane only saves a couple of dollars for heat loss per window. So that $30 per window per year – if it only saves you two bucks per window to go triple pane, like I said, I just can't see it being worth it. Very good. All right. If you have a question for Donnie, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Click on Ask the Contractor. Also, again, all the links to the Facebook page, YouTube page. And if you want to listen to past episodes, you can download them in podcast form. That's at the website, too. Also, if you have any issues with your roof, be sure to contact SureTop Roofing. Donnie and staff will come out. They do free estimates. They come out, look at your roof, tell you if you need anything done. Sometimes it's a minor repair. Sometimes you might be due if your house is over or your roof is over a decade old, especially it might be time to consider a new roof. But the best thing Donnie can tell you about your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.